0: Welcome to Life and Leadership. I believe in creating community, connections, and creating space to be curious. This podcast aims to take you on a conscious journey through quality, diverse, innovative content and conversation. My hope is that we create a circle of influence, a transcendency of compassionate leadership in the world and wider universe. tap into your intuitive nature and integrate it into your daily life. Welcome to my podcast, Life and Leadership, A Conscious Journey. This is a weekly podcast for global leadership and re-emerging leadership, a unique destination for conversation around less discussed topics, learning about leadership, conscious stewardship, and legacy. My name is Michelle St. Jane, and I'm your host. I have a vision to create a circle of influence, transcendency of leadership for the world and outer space. My why centers on creating an innovative podcast with content that channels knowledge, experience and wisdom into creating quality, visionary, virtuous leadership living at their zenith. Here's the who, what and why of this episode. My feature guest is Rachel Wotton, a next-generation spiritual leader with a conscious journey to share around intuition, and myself, a re-emerging leader with four careers behind me, covering law, philanthropy, and mentoring visionary leaders. I believe in creating community, connections, and creating space to be curious. So what's this episode about? Rachel and I have a rich, engaging conversation about all the awesome things she's up to, as well as her leadership philosophies. Wins and lessons learned as a spiritual coach. Why Listen It's a tremendous opportunity for you to share this time with a leader whose journey shows us an avenue towards empowering an awakened life, living with purpose and heeding intuition. What's cooler than hearing about how she thinks about life and leadership in the context of being and becoming a spiritual leader? Rachel has a gift for the listeners. She has a book link. Her book is Intuitive Intelligence. And if you go to her website, www.rachelwatton.com, you can buy her book with 10% off and free postage using the code MSJ10. Listen to how Rachel seamlessly transitions between her military career, thought leadership practice, and spiritual practice. Tap into your intuitive nature and integrate it in your daily life. Well, today I've got Rachel Wotton with us. Now, she is one of my favorite pioneers. She has transited through different career options and really excites me in how she lives her purpose by empowering and awakening a life lived with purpose and intuition. So, Rachel Wooten, could you please share about your life and leadership, please?
1: Good morning, Michelle. First of all, thank you for having me. Really, really grateful. Um, yes, I can take you through that little bit of a journey. I left home when I, when I was quite young and uh, we lived in caravan parks pretty much about our whole life. Uh, trailer trash is the word that would have been used in the US, I think. But it was a, uh, a carefree life and but I left home quite early and that's that gypsy nomad that I suspect has been part of my, or my living and upbringing. So I moved into a girls' hostel and then just started working at a very young age. But as young as I could remember from about the age of 12, I knew I wanted to join the army. I had this passion for the military so I did um, at the age of 18 as soon as I was uh, young enough I joined the army and Went through and what well, between that time of leaving school and joining the army, I was starting on the road to become a chef, an apprentice chef. So um, I joined the army under my chefing skills so that I could finish my, my trade papers and uh, started off in the army as a cook. And then uh, it was only for the first couple of years because then I moved from the military in the army over through to what's called recruit instructing, and that's taking civilians and turning them into become soldiers. And so I did that for the next few years and taught weapon handling and first aid and drill sergeant and you name it, I did it. And it was awesome, awesome taking those little wee little straight off the couch from school kids and then turning them into courageous, brave, incredible soldiers who would end up on the front lines. So really, really rewarding. So I did that for 10 years. I, I went to the rank of sergeant Uh, I had this desire that it was time to maybe leave and go out into the real world and then after that uh, which was a surprise to most people because I was pretty full-on and pretty military orientated but I did Um, I left at my 10-year mark and went to uh, IT into the tech sector so I played around a little bit first of course did a bit of traveling but then went into the tech sector and started working with some of the big companies such as First of all, Sun Microsystems, which then got bought out by Google and uh, then uh, IBM and then HP. And now I sort of work on my own. But in between that time, I started dabbling in um, holistic therapies. So I started really getting into, especially when I was at Sun Microsystems, I started getting into massage, reflexology. I really wanted to do energetic healing way back then, but I felt it was a little bit too woo-woo. Uh, reflexology i love how the body can respond to different points within the feet which are the meridian points which are well known chinese acupressure points which have been around for centuries so did that for quite a few years um, then incorporated energy healing and reiki in amongst uh the reflexology and have sort of stuck with more the energy healing um, ever since although i still get the urge to touch someone's part of someone's foot and um know that that reflects to their liver kidneys spleen whatever needs a cleanse so that and so how does intuition fall into all of this now you may be asking about that well I've always um, used my intuition especially when I use when I left home really really young I had to only survive by myself Um, I lived in a girls' hostel in that period when I uh, moved out of the caravan park and I'd ride my bike to uh, to work every morning at 3 a.m and really just having that being on your own and having to survive, I think you tap into something greater. I think you tap into a knowing, a voice, a hearing, something something greater. And so it sort of started way back then. And then I used it in the military. Um, I was uh, sent across with 5th Aviation Regiment over to Cambodia to work with the Cambodian refugees when uh, at the end of Pol Pot's reign, um, which was just horrific and seeing what Pol Pot had done. And there was one night in the camp uh, where I had the intuition to to go to a different area when gunfire started raining into the camp. So um, in the military, they call that Spidey Sense. Um, Well known, instead of Sixth Sense, they call it Spidey Sense. And it's just knowing not to be in the, it's being in the wrong place at the wrong time or knowing not to be in the wrong place um, at the right time. So um, having done, um, you know, used it within the military and then even when I got out again, I used it all through my corporate career and I think that's why I was so successful. It's not one of the reasons, it's definitely hard work and everything else goes along with that as well as um, knowledge, it's it's sort of like a two-way street. But it's really um, incorporating and trusting that that voice within and being really creative with that voice within and that knowing within. It's it's not really a voice. Some people say it's a voice. Um, So yeah, so I use that right throughout my corporate career. And then when I finished, well, about a year before leaving HP, I just had that uh, feeling that I wanted to write a book about intuition. And that's when I started writing Intuitive Intelligence. And so, um, and just calling, just remembering back all the times that I used it and then um, asking others, you know, do they believe in intuitive intelligence? And I selected many different types of influential people to contribute to the book. So it was people like CIOs, CEOs, founding entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs um ministers government officials you name it um i tried to just get a variety of people to contribute to how they used intuition or even if they believed in intuition and that's what um the result of intuitive intelligence um the the book that i wrote um so that was written quite um some time ago now i finished that about three years ago now and um Yeah, so I'm on to sort of the second stage of that as we speak, moving into a different arena, but a deeper level of intelligence at this point. But yeah, and so um, that's how it's happened. So now I work with coaching um, and I use intuition in coaching all the time. I use that knowing, I use sensing, I use patterns. I also use traditional practices that we get taught within our coaching techniques. Um, And I also still do the energetic healing slash Reiki, reflexology and um, energy healing and more spiritual healing as well now. So that's the, that's it in a nutshell, <laughs> <For sure. laughs> well, I'm
0: really curious because I remember when you were interviewing senior leadership for your book, and I thought your book was right on point. Uh, I'm a big believer in intuition and have been a beneficiary of your intuitive sensings, which I was very grateful for last year. But when you were doing the research for your book, What were these leaders telling you? What was the most surprising and what was the least expected
1: that came out of your
0: research there?
1: Um, I think the most surprising was... I always knew it, but to have people verbally say it was really, really cool. And I think the most surprising was I had these tech, especially tech founders, right? Because the minute you think of a tech founder and especially data or analytics gurus, we're talking, I'm talking the best of the best in the world here. And in massive, high net worth uh, companies, um, that they would always say that they, as They would go to the data and run everything on data, but ultimately in the end, their intuition, they would trust above the data. And that surprised me. Um, And the reason it surprised me is because I thought that they would always go with the data. Now, most times the data sometimes backed up what they said anyway or what they felt anyway. So it was like working in cohesion with it. But if the data didn't back up their intuition, they still went with their intuition. And an example of that is one of the founders I interviewed was um, Matthew Salisbury. Um, He's a... uh, an entrepreneur out of the US um, and he runs a company called Entropy. And so massive data companies do incri- are doing incredible things all around the world. And he, he, and he's written this in the book. So, um, but he talks about how when he first started his company, he started down the hole doing um, analytics for companies in certain verticals. And then one day he had this feeling that he just knew he had to change, um, change tact. And he says in the book that, um, that, he went to a couple of venture capitalists and said to them this is what I want to do this is where we need to go and they all said to him no you're making a mistake it's the wrong way to go you're not going to make money you're not going to do this you're not going to do that so he got his team together and even his team said to him no I don't think it's the right decision you should do you should stick to doing this this and this and he just went no I've got to do it there's something inside of me that's deeper than anything else I've just got to follow it and today it is the biggest money maker in his business he he went against every one's advice and and followed it now um he's probably a rarity which is probably why he's so successful but um but that sort of shows just one of the example of many of what these these tech gurus were saying and it wasn't just the tech gurus where i mean i had leaders and one of them in here is vanessa sorensen who's one of the um the md of microsoft here And she said the same thing from a sales perspective when she was going through as a salesperson and now even as in this position she's in now. um, She said the same thing, and it's in the book as well, that, that, you know, ultimately she'll end up going with what her gut says, regardless of what the data says or regardless of what others say, she still follows it because it still works out to be correct in the end. And sometimes it goes against what the data says, but she follows it. So, yeah, so it's not just the tech. it, It was across a range of industries that um, was fascinating. So that, um, that was what, that was one or well, two of the things that surprised me. The other thing that was really, really surprising is I never came across anyone who didn't have intuition. Um, I asked loads of people um, a lot of them were confused about was it intuition or was it that, that fine line between intuition and knowledge that can sometimes arise? But other times, um, but I didn't find anyone who who never said, no, I'd never get intuition, which is interesting. Now, now there has to be people out there that don't get intuition, but... Every single person I asked, and even going out to dinner at night with just friends and talking with people about what I was doing, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I haven't. And they all have, everyone's got a story of when intuition serves them or when it saves them. And I've got that as a table in the book where it's got, um, uh, I've got the two types of intuition. There's intuition that serves you and saves you, um, and there's intuition that uh, it's a safety mechanism, and then intuition that is uh, a success mechanism. So, there's a safety one, you, that's where you feel that something's really, really wrong, and a success one where you feel that something is really, really right. So, you know, there's those two fine lines, but I never came across anyone who never had it, who never said, I don't get intuition, no such thing. So, yeah, so that was fascinating.
0: Is that a sign of the times, do you think? I kind of wonder that because I have Welsh heritage. So, I often hear, I'm often listening for the quietest voice, not the drama the quietest voice. So the majority of my life I've practiced yoga and meditation and prayer. So I have that leaning anyway. I listen for the quiet voice. Like I don't go with a ha ha which frankly is my ego, which can have a real go when she's ready. But I'm really grateful that I that my strategy is to go with the quiet voice and What happened to me was I was doing my doctorate is in leadership and I had interviewed like the top 20% of global CEOs in the world and um, was very shocked that they actually interacted. And I was looking for that fulcrum point, like a child seesaw between profit and people and planet. And I was surprised at how passionate leaders were about people and planet, but had to face the world with the profit hat on. So it was, A real eye opener that there was this passion for people and planet, but this public image of profit at any price, which was a major out of alignment. And intuition said very strongly in that project being emanated by these leaders that they didn't feel solid in being profit facing only. And this was an incongruence that was quite distressing. Similar to this month, two major hurricanes hit my fieldwork site. So I stopped the doctorate and added nature to the fieldwork. And that was definitely a God wink or intuition for me. Uh, I just felt like this doctorate was an opportunity to speak truth to power, but also allow power to speak truth to power, as in nature spoke. My poor professor was quite stressed, but she was a very courageous supervisor and told me have at it so intuition has always featured very heavily in my life so I was delighted when you brought intuitive intelligence and uh and and into the mainstream in terms of that so thank you for your service in
1: that area no and thank you Michelle for bringing that up because that's a really good point um and you're spot on the money you're spot on the money in the sense of and that's another thing that came out that you know you're talking about how to access it or getting to know especially for those who may not be like you who go to that still small voice or that inner voice or that quieter voice because that really is the key um the key to it is and everyone spoke about this is that it's it's about getting below the noise um and to that deeper level but the problem we all have is we have we have an inner critic or we have a mind that Goes non stop, bang, 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 bang. And so it's about trying to still that even for a split second to try to let that information of knowledge that's somewhere in that field around us or somewhere in something greater within us have time to come in to tell us or to advise us. And what you mentioned about, you know, prayer and meditation and so forth, everyone spoke about that. That one of the keys is that. To be able to still that mind is to be able to go into those meditation states to get to that place where during the day you can hear that voice because you're you're calmer in your reactions, you're calmer in, in, you're more creative rather than head-led. You become a bit more heart and belly-led. And so that's what I talk about in the book. There's head-led, there's head, heart and intuition. Um, And it is really opening the heart because it's the middle between the intuition and the head. And so, you know, you're spot on the money with meditation and prayer um, because it it, it gives you that time to still that outside world. Um, The other thing that was fascinating um, that a lot of people in the book said was some of them were real type A's and have really a lot of difficulty in praying or meditating. <laughs> it's like, but what they found worked for them, it's exactly right. And type A's are the worst. One of them said they'd rather stick a needle in their eye than sit there quietly for five minutes, you know? So, but what they found worked for them was that they had to find a pursuit or a hobby or an activity that gave them the calmness. But yet at the same time, it was a doing task. so a positive, But it had to be a positive one. So, so, for example, some of them said swimming, you know, just being out in the ocean or even in a pool uh, where there's water. Um, some of them said hiking in Mother Nature because, again, they were out with nature. But it took their minds away from work, but in with an environment that they loved and felt good with. So they had to find activities. Some of them it was cooking. So um, they had to find an activity where it wasn't sitting down, and, and some of the guys, especially some of the guys, never meditated but really highly intuitive. So, but they found that, that activity that brought their intuitive self into a sense of peace, so to speak. And that's where they were able to get the hits. So,
0: yeah. Um, yeah. Some, sometimes calling it meditation causes a major blocker. So, for example, I think yoga was my secret path in doing yoga. Helped me join the body and the mind, and then go into a place of calm, and that allowed me to be open to meditation. I remember for. Decades thinking I was one of the worst meditators ever, when somebody said to me, Once I was willing to meditate, I had all the benefits of meditation. So it wasn't sitting on a rock in a cave as with the monks for hours to get the benefits. It was just surrendering my will and being willing. So then, whether I managed 30 seconds or five minutes or 15, 20 minutes, which are my average, I had all the benefits. But yeah, for years, I didn't think I could meditate until someone said to me, as soon as you're willing, you've got the benefits. The prayer was the next part that led me in. I really love the serenity prayer. The moment I say it, the energy changes. But it also helps me put the world around me in perspective. So for example, the first line goes, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Literally, Rachel, I do a 360 around me, pointing outwards. I cannot change people, places, and things. And then the second line is the courage to change what I can and I focus on myself, my attitudes, my behaviors, my thoughts and feelings, which I consider visitors and guests so I can welcome them and let them go on their way when I'm in my best self. And the courage to know the difference is the last line. The next part, which not many people say, is um, grant me the patience for the changes that take time, acceptance and tolerance for those with different struggles and the strength to get up and try again. And that prayer for me just changes everything. And I've just really butchered it, but I'll put it in the show notes properly and cite, cite the monk that that wrote it. But that's a prayer that I open my eyes and start with, close my eyes and start with. If I'm in the middle of a setting, which is getting a bit wound up with negative energy, I start because um, as, you love, as you beautifully alluded to, I have this itty-bitty committee, <laughs> and they quieten down when I pray. <laughs> they quieten down when I meditate, and they quieten down when I do yoga. But I, I love the fact that you know, people don't realize if you go for a hike, it can be the equivalent of a walking meditation. At the moment, I'm doing lots of daily walks on the beach and swimming in the ocean, and it's very meditative. But I, I'm careful not to think that because sometimes it's um, <laughs> it, it, it's a game changer. But um, yeah, it makes a huge difference. So you mentioned with intuitive intelligence, what are the next steps with the book? Where are you taking taking that?
1: Well, I've um, I've put it out there to. Um published although it's a very difficult thing getting published because i've used quite a few other people in their um their quotes so it, it's quite a long process in the sense of it's already been out there so a lot of people have been buying it straight from my website so i just do more that way now because it's just publishers are a bit too scared nowadays with everything that goes on with having other quotes and so forth so that's okay i don't mind that um because i already started on my next book which i'm not going to talk about because i'm just trying to put that together in my head so yeah so I'm just um yeah so a lot of people just come, come and buy it off the web or yeah or give me a call and have a chat about it or whatever you know it's um that's sort of where I'm t- just let the universe take it to where it needs to go to and it seems to be getting out there actually which is a good thing
0: that's fabulous so you have literally gone from the military to thought leader to spiritual leader and it appears like a seamless transition. Is that so? Uh, is this universe guided or? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it's a very big transition phase right now. So <laughs> but yeah. And, and, yeah, I, I'm following I'm following my intuition as to where to head next and what to do next, but it feels so right. So I'm delving deeper, deeper into the spiritual stuff and maybe the, in, and and this is one of the other things too, is that intuition sometimes is the first step into something bigger or greater. And it doesn't have to be like me where I'm moving down the spiritual path, but it can be that you start off with intuition and you might be in a job you dislike and it helps lead you down into something massive and bigger and starting your own company or Building, becoming the best CEO or something or whatever it happens to be. Um, I like uh, becoming a
0: podcaster.
1: Or becoming, well, see, so you're getting you're getting incredible messages out to the world. So it's amazing, you know, and it, it can be that. But next it might be running your own communications company. You know, I don't know, but, you know, it could be multiple of things. that, that it means because the more you trust it or intuition, the more it trusts you and the more it starts giving you. So I find it like a little child. If you keep shutting it down and don't listen to it and you push it down and I've got these different levels in there about how fast it can move through our system, then um, it just closes down and it just doesn't talk to you much. It's just like, well, I'm not going to talk to you if you're not going to listen to me, you know. So it's like it's just like a, another human being. You won't have friends who, if you don't listen to them, will be your friends for very long. So I treat it like a little friend. So um, a little, big friend. So, Yeah. But, yeah, I'm in that stage of transition where um, I'm moving now to more into the spiritual and just going those deeper levels. But maybe it's for myself. Maybe it's for me to discover the unexplored world within and, you know, go deeper and deeper into that world. And mystics and everything mysticism has always been a massive, massive hobby of mine. So, you know, maybe following that path a little bit of, of, not that I'm saying I am a mystic. I just love that whole concept of stuff and who knows, who knows where it will take me. So, um, yeah, so let, I'm just following the signpost and the guidepost of what feels right, right now. But, but yeah, so my next book will be, um, it, it'll, it won't ever leave intuition cause that's part of who we are, but, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be something deeper and greater.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's a cliffhanger. We'll be looking forward to that because your work is is a priceless gift. And your courage, I suspect, like me, you're willing to walk where there are no no paths. So we are people who walk to create the paths. And I love that about you. And I'm, I'm a big fan. So your company is called Aroha. And am I not mistaken that you're Australian? How do you link back into Maori traditions and such a beautiful name for your company? How did that come about?
1: Well, it's uh, – my husband's Māori, Um mm. and he's one of the directors of the company. So he's oh, – he's a shareholder as well. So he um, – and my son, of course, obviously, is now – well, he's half – We call him half-half, half half, half Maori uh, half-Pakeha. So um, that's how it all links in together. So my husband was the one who sat down and we went through and, um, yeah, we used to be called Wonderful Works and then we moved over um, to, um, we changed the company name to Araha, And um, because I feel that, um, because A, I have love for, A, for my husband and son, but I believe it comes, all love comes from the heart. I think all the spiritual stuff comes from the heart. I think that the depths of where we need to go to and who we need to um, or who we need to become or access or become greater comes from the heart. And so that's how it all sort of came together. And I did look up Love Inc, but I thought, no, everyone will think that's a love company. (laughs) So then we went, Oh, why not this? And my husband said, yeah, let's, uh, let's do this. So, yeah, so he's, um, that's how it all sort of came about. That's the, uh, the, the merging of the two. And, uh, yeah, and I, over the past, have done quite a bit of work with Māori healers and with um, the Māori traditions. So I am quite enshrined on quite a few levels. And I'm, we're just starting to learn, well, my husband knows Māori, but me, I'm just starting to learn it all now
0: it's such mm. a beautiful language it really is a beautiful language so mm.
1: do you want to just share a little bit about the kind of
0: services that you do and that that listeners might be interested in or anything else you'd like to share as we start to wrap up
1: okay yeah we uh, well the only thing I'd, I'd like to say thank you again um you know i love all the work you're doing as well and like you say that sometimes this road less travel and with certain words people assume certain dogmas or uh, associations with them and so sometimes it is just getting out there and saying well hang on a minute let's re- review some of this stuff and um so like you you know you do some amazing stuff out there you're doing incredible stuff that I see and especially with all your study and your thesis work or well, last time it was your thesis wasn't it you were doing that and now you're on to a doctorate
0: <laughs> oh no I finished the doctorate in 2016 and oh. I was taking it into thought leadership Um, and planning to write the book. And I've decided I'm going to podcast on all areas I'm excited about and turn that into a book. So for the podcast, which has only just started this month, I am putting out there the most diverse topics I can around less discussed conversations. Because for me, Mm -hmm. what I learned with um, my global CEOs was the opportunity to have conversations, real conversations um, on a variety of topics was a gift. And also, I think for up-and-coming leaders, the next generation, these interviews will be captured forever out there. I'm leaving a digital exhaust of, for the curious and, and those who want to be more capable and um, connected. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm a verbal processor and I'm very curious. So, um, yeah, I'm keeping my first three months of um, podcast topics really diverse. So I'm very grateful you're here.
1: do you have any last words rachel well if anyone wants to know more they could come to my website which is www.rachel dot ncom so that's the they could come there for a look we do coaching we do energy healing um but yeah there and and lots of workshops but it's it updated quite a bit as you know and you do we're all full of change and shifting with things but um yeah so they can pop in and have a browse and and be curious like you michelle um that's well if only everyone was as curious as you and didn't shut down the minute they heard a word that they didn't like and just stayed open to the possibilities of what Uh, life has to offer and what this unseen I call it seeing the unseen in the book you know intuition is seeing and feeling and knowing the unseen you know there's knowing beyond knowing there's awareness beyond awareness there's there's sensing beyond sensing Um, and we have this whole world out there that's and within us that's there to show us that stuff. So be open to it and see if you can see the unseen, feel the unfelt, Um, because it might just change your life in ways, unexpected ways that are more positive and more amazing than what they are now. And if I hadn't listened to mine, I don't know where I'd be, but I'm so grateful that I have, because again, it led me to the most amazing husband and son. I never thought I'd get married, honestly, after seeing what those military boys were doing (laughs) in their spare time. Some of them, not all of them. I never—I swore I'd never get married, and yet I opened up to the possibilities and, and intuition that led me to the most amazing husband and now son and so forth. So, so like you, I just wish everyone had the attributes like you, like that We're just curious. And it would say if they shut down to the word God or spirit or Jesus or, or even anything, I find they're the words most people shut down to. Not that I talk about all that stuff, but I just find a lot of people shut down to stuff. If they just stayed open to different things, then you never know where it might lead you. So, um, yeah, that's the only thing that I'd love to uh, finish off with. Rachel, you are amazing and a gift to the world, and it's such a privilege to talk to you. Thank you for being on the podcast. You too. Thank you, Michelle, and you keep doing your incredible stuff, babes.
0: As a steward of meaningful leadership in the world and wider cosmos, I have a passion for service through sharing wisdom, strength, and hope. Thank you for the opportunity to foster open conversation, discussions, and an exchange of ideas that create understanding and connection among diverse groups. Your support is valued. Please subscribe, leave a review, and a rating. More importantly, share with your connections. Thank you.